you're someone who has a passion for cut flowers, our environment, and wants to make the world more beautiful, you're in the right place. Whether you're growing flowers for pleasure or profit, I'm on a mission to empower flower enthusiasts and professionals to help change the world around them. Whether you're just starting out and need a helping hand, or are looking to scale a substantial flower business, I'm your cut flower woman. Welcome to the Cut Flower Podcast. Okay, today I'm delighted to welcome Roger Parsons of Roger Parsons Sweet Peas. I'm sure our listeners are very excited to learn around this lovely special flowers. So welcome, Roger. So first of all, perhaps you can tell us a little bit about your business, Roger, and how you got into sweet peas. What, what was it that started your sweet pea journey? Oh, goodness. Um, yeah, you start with a hard question. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I can remember growing sweet peas as a child, actually, going down to uh, Woolworths with my mother Ooh. and um, buying a collection of uh, six um, varieties of, of sweet peas and, and growing on them. But I, th- I think I got, I got uh, seriously interested in growing them uh, about 40 years ago. It's coming up for 40 years now. Um, and I was living in Wiltshire at the time and our local flower show um, uh, had sweet pea classes. And although I used to grow lots of different things in those days, uh, I I um uh, I was intrigued by the sweet peas. There's something about the uh, uh, fabulous range of colours, um, wonderful fragrance, um, but something about the the poise and the elegance of the flowers. They had a a sort of delicacy, that a grace, if you like, that um, I, I I'm still in love with. <laughs> <laughs> but Roger, you're very modest. Haven't you got the national collection with you? Tell us a little bit about that. Well, you know what it's like. There's so many wonderful varieties um, that uh, I ended up growing all of them. You know, you don't have to choose then, do you? <laughs> no. <laughs> and um, I get it, about 1998, I became concerned about the fact that uh, some very good sweet bee varieties were kind of falling out of commerce. Uh, no longer available to people and and just disappearing, ceasing to exist. So um, I started uh, a seed bank then, having learned that the seeds can be kept, um, well, uh, we we know for at least 40 years if they're stored correctly, frozen. Um, So I've been collecting sweet pea varieties from around the world ever since. If it's a sweet pea, then I... I, um, (laughs) I collect it, and and not just that, but all the other Lathera species as well, um, and and then in two thousand and five, I was able to take early retirement from from my work in um, local government parks management, and um, so uh, it, it, the collection was recognised by Plant Heritage as a national collection, and I've been um, I've been dealing with it ever since I, I suppose it gave me the time to grow all these sweet peas and um but in, as far as the business goes I, I still regard this more as a hobby that's got out of hand <laughs> than than an actual business I don't I don't feel it, it's a business um in that sense uh just um you know I'm just doing what I enjoy 
It's definitely a business project, definitely, definitely. So when you mentioned there, sweet peas and another variety, Lazarus, what's the difference? Because I think there's some confusion between the two. I'm, I'm sure there is, um, not least because um, uh, one of the uh, people sometimes refer to the perennial sweet pea. Yeah. Now this is this is uh, a, a commonly known um, uh, species, Lathyrus latifolius. Uh, I prefer to call it the everlasting pea because it's not a sweet pea. So the sweet pea is Lathyrus odoratus. The um, that there are about 160 species of Lathyrus. Latifolius is the everlasting pea. There's a, a wonderful short perennial. Uh, uh, the spring pea, Lathyrus vernus, um, no good for cut flowers, but um, but uh, a wonderful pot plant and um, great for the garden. And uh, the, yeah, as I say, there's about 160 species and, and uh, we have about half of them in cultivation. Um, last year, the RHS very kindly published um, a book uh, produced by myself and, and Greg Kenniker from Edinburgh Botanic Garden, uh, on on Lathyrus, uh, and it, and it covers all the species. So if people want to know more about them, that's a a good reference source. Yeah, I did see that book on your website because I do have your other book. So I saw it today. I thought, wow, I'll have that one too. Um, because actually, the book, your first book that I've gone on sweet peas, I kept in a polytunnel when it got very wet and very mouldy, and now I can hardly turn the pages. So it gives me a good excuse to buy it again. So I must be. I keep buying it because I keep referring it to it. Um, yeah. But Sweet Peas and Essential Guide, I think your book's called, isn't it? Well, that that that's the one that you've got at the moment. And yeah. and if you want to grow sweet peas, then that's uh, the thing. The the uh, the new book that I referred to, uh, which is called Lathyrus: A Complete Guide, um, that is um, very much a botanical work. There is an enormous amount on uh, the history and development of uh, what you might call the evolution of the sweet pea. Um, there's uh, quite a comprehensive um, review of varieties. Um, but in terms of how to grow them, the, 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 the essential guide is, is the better book, if you like. And it's cheaper. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Um also, you know, a lot of our listeners are cut flower growers, obviously. What sweet pea suits me? I mean, there's Spencer's and Grandiflorias and Old Fashioned. I mean, I think when you start out on your journey, it's a bit overwhelming. Where should people start? I can understand why people are overwhelmed. <laughs> there's so many different types, aren't there? I mean, yeah. if, if you're growing for cut flowers, what do you want? You want, you want a good vase life. You want long stems. Um, and and really some of the things that, um, you know, where varieties are bred, say, for exhibition, for flower shows and such like, some of the things that exhibitors are looking for, you actually don't want uh, necessarily uh, with cut yeah. flowers. I suppose early flowering, a lot of people want as well with um, cut flowers. Uh, so so to get good stem length, you really want the, the Spencer type. Those those have the big frilly flowers, and and the longer stems um, come come with size, if you like. Yeah. Um, so, 
that to to get so to get good vase life. I, I mean, it's it's an unfortunate fact that sweet peas don't tend to have a a, a great vase life, and the hotter their weather, you know, the, the the quicker they go over. But if you if you get the multiflora spencers, then um, they have more flowers on the stem, and you 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 tend to get a, a longer vase life accordingly. So so whereas your typical Spencer sweet pea has four flowers on the stem. You can get multifloras, uh, which have, I mean, there's a couple of varieties come out in the last 20 years that, that have up to 15 flowers on a stem. I'm thinking here of uh, Aphrodite, which is yeah. white, <laughs> uh, and also Chelsea Centenary, which is pale blue. Now, a lot of a lot of um, cut flower growers uh, like those, um, but to my mind, they, they, they've got just too many flowers. They're they, uh, they, they they look more like gladioli than sweet peas in some respects, you know. They um, and and you tend to the individual flowers are, are a little bit smaller, and they they tend to be a bit. Uh, you, you've got irregular gaps between the flowers, uh, whereas the um, the 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 standard multifloras tend to have maybe six seven eight flowers on a um a stem and uh they can be a bit gappy as well so so my very favorite type um which don't have a name i mean call them semi-multiflora if you like but you know to my mind you you the ideal blooms and certainly what i'm breeding for a, a lot of what keith hammett in new zealand has been breeding for is to produce five or six flowers on the stem, so you get the longer vase life, um, but you've still got uh, that beautiful form uh, and uh, symmetry uh, yeah. that you get with um, with the uh, standard Spencer varieties. Well, I always edge my bets, Roger. So we're doing about five hundred sweet peas. Um, here on the farm so and I always buy your Spencer varieties I have to say and I buy them annually <laughs> and um, we've um, we've started growing them in the tunnel so that moves us on to growing we've um, we've started them now in the tunnel and it's quite hot in there so we're moving them out during the day and giving them a little bit of air and talking very nicely to them and sweeping them a bit and making sure their stems are nice and strong um, have you got any tips on growing? We've got this, uh, it's again, another confusion. You're meant to grow them in the autumn. Oh, no, you can do them in the spring. Oh, no, you can do them from autumn all the way through to the spring. And it's all quite muddy, that whole when do you grow sweet peas? Yeah, it, it, it is muddy. You're absolutely right. Um, uh, I, I think a lot depends on where you are. You know, if you're growing in... Um, Southern England, the Midlands, yeah. um, South Wales, maybe um, Republic of Ireland. Um, I'll, I'll ignore North America for now. Um, uh, well, it's got, it's quite complex in terms of microclimate. Zones, yes, <laughs> yeah, zones and that. So, um, yeah, so so basically, the you know the southern half of the United Kingdom or the British Isles, should we say? Um, then. You can sow in the autumn, and the advantage of sowing in October uh, is that um, 
they will germinate quite readily um, even outside. Um, yeah. uh, certainly no problem in a cold frame, cold greenhouse, something like that. You can sow to get to get early blooms and 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 the longest stems and the biggest flowers. You can sow any time up till February. <laughs> the advantage of sowing in October is that uh, uh, you don't need any warmth at night once you get into november and through the winter months then uh, they need a little bit of warmth to help with germination so the october sowing uh, really allows you to overcome um not not having to give them any heat um for germination yeah. um now if you're if you're further north um then you might want to so if you're in the north of England, say um, Northern Ireland, something like that. You you probably want to sow um, uh, at the beginning of January, something like that. So you can't avoid needing a little bit of warmth just till they've germinated. Get them out in the cold once they've germinated, but you can't avoid that. And 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 if you go further north again, Scotland, for example, the traditional date for sowing then uh, was the fourteenth uh, of February, St Valentine's Day. Wow! Okay. So um, so uh, people love their sweet peas, obviously. If you um, the the reason the reason that you can't sow in the autumn uh, if you're in the north or Scotland is because uh, the winter light levels are not good enough um, for the plants to overwinter. Um, there is a way of overcoming it with um, light levels, uh, um, uh, with uh, supplementary lighting, uh, but um, uh, um, it, it really to, to, to make it simple and straightforward, it's better to, to sow in the late winter, early spring. There's no reason why, if people want a later crop, there's no reason why you can't sow after February. You, you know, gardeners tend to sow March, April time, such like. Uh, the problem uh, with that is you, you never quite get stems as long. You don't get the same stem length. Um, uh, fine for garden display, but not really for cut flower growers. Yeah, so, yeah, that's exactly right. We've tried that, <laughs> exactly that. And it's we've always, we're, we're in the Midlands, so we're really fortunate. So we grow from now. All the way through and we will do another early spring sowing and we'll get them all out and for month they were phenomenal this year people said oh we worried about watering and so on we kept the water levels up and they were phenomenal we had a really good year of sweet peas excellent I, th I think a lot of people did it's um which is uh, very encouraging makes up for the ones that aren't so good <laughs> so talking about sweet peas and once we've obviously germinated them and getting them out. How do we care for them? That's another confusion. All these tendrils and do you pinch them out or do you leave them and do they all get rather entwined with each other and what should you do with them? Yeah, there's there's basically two methods of uh, supporting them. You you can either grow them as, um, as cordon plants, uh, a bit like um, people may be familiar with uh, growing tomatoes as, as cordons. Uh, and this is where you just take one stem for for each plant uh, up up a, a a tall cane bamboo eight foot bamboo canes, um, or if you're growing undercover, you can get away with using strings. All all the strength of the plant goes into that one stem, so that so that does help give you uh, longer stems. 
it gives you more control over the plants um, and uh, it does however involve a lot more work of tying in and uh, removing tendrils as you say the the plants don't grow any better for removing tendrils what removing the tendrils does is it uh, saves them interfering with flowering stems to ensure that the stems stay, stay ni nice and straight. Uh, the, the, the stems will be straight quite naturally. It's only, it's only if the home gets moved, you know, or, or the f flowers are, are, are caught by something, tendrils or whatever, uh, to, to bend them that, that you then start getting bent stems. So, so that's the reason why tendrils are removed. Uh, so growing cordons, you remove the tendrils, you remove the side shoots, and then when they get to the top of the canes, you have to lower them down and take them along the ground and up another one. It's a, it, it's a lot of work. Uh, the alternative method, which certainly uh, is, is the way they traditionally did it in the, uh, uh, the Netherlands, is, um, is just to grow them naturally. Uh, and I've seen um, Florid do this as well, um, look, looking online, um, where you have yeah. uh, just uh, rows and rows of the plants. They go in uh, and, um, and and you just let them do their own thing. Uh, now, the, um, so you don't remove tendrils, you don't remove side shoots, um, and uh, you just cut what you can. Now, the the advantage of this is it is is infinitely less work. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. However, uh, you will also get an awful lot of bent flower stems, which, depending on what your market is and such like, may may be wasted. Um, and and actually, you also get a, a shorter flowering season that way. That the the stems will start to go um, shorter, um, quicker, and and. Uh, so um so so you know if if you're serious about having a, a a long productive season then then um cordon growing is is the way to go really yeah we're we're quite lazy um and again it's a resource issue so we grow ours up Harris fencing you know the old builders fencing and um we do remove the tendrils if we've got time and we do but we don't do the cordon method we basically do leave them and um they love Harris fencing. I don't know what it is, but they just grow really tall, really lovely. And yeah, I think you're right. If you're growing on a smaller scale, um, then taking the tendrils and side shoots and doing cordon is the way to go. Larger scale, if you're growing over a 500, 1,000 plants, it's, it's too big. There's, there's one other important part of cultivation I'd like to mention we just touched on there, and that's, that's watering, irrigation. Um, yeah. People often have the problem of of stems going short um, earlier than they would wish and, and and becoming too short for cutting, and that is purely uh, an an effect of 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 how how wet the ground is. Uh, so the more watering you can give them, then the longer the period that the stems will stay long. Um, now that's that's easier said than done depending on people's circumstances but um but yeah hot dry conditions the hotter and drier it is the shorter the stems will become 
wow, okay, I did right. I put T-tape irrigation systems in and it was, they grew fabulously. So other problems while we're on it, on irrigation, um, other problems, obviously you, when you're growing them and they germinate, they become leggy. Why is that? They can, be, can become leggy. Yeah, they, they, they can do. Um, uh, it, it's the result of the plants being too warm and or um, not enough light. Um, I, I mentioned earlier about uh, in, in the north, if you're overwintering young plants, then you, you know the, the problem is that they will simply get, get uh, drawn and thin, you get thin long growth. What you want really for your plants prior to them going out is to produce short stocky plants. Um, so from an, from an October sowing, once they've germinated, they really want to be out in the cold. They're a hardy annual. They will tolerate temperatures quite happily down to minus five. You shouldn't have too many problems if it goes down to minus 10. But there's certainly, certainly where I am in the south coast, I could happily keep my plants outdoors all winter. Um, wow. and, and, and in fact, I'm, I'm actually disappointed if at some stage in the winter they aren't frozen solid. Wow. So, uh, yeah, although I have them in a polytunnel, I mean, it's completely ventilated and unheated. Uh, and and uh, Ooh, wow. uh, the okay. reason I have them in a polytunnel is simply because the quantity of plants I'm growing, I can't be moving them in and out according to, you know, changing weather conditions. Um, so grow them as cold as you can. If if at some point they they haven't okay. frozen solid to the point of the plants actually collapsing then uh, i'm disappointed as i say and they they want to re you need it when they are frozen solid you, you you need to let them thaw out slowly but but it, it, it toughens them up and, and and what you're looking for is is um is strong sturdy growth you're not looking for elongated growth during the uh um during the winter period it's when they're in their flowering positions in the spring that's when you that's when you want the you know the right i'm gonna put mine because i i've been doing the move in move out so i've been having them in out during the um day and in during the night and it's dropping to about five degrees at the moment so i think now from what you've said because that was a nice little stocky plant i'm just going to leave them outside yeah, it's it's very mild at the moment, and um, frost won't hurt them. Hurt them. What what can be damaging is is cold, strong winds, right from the north or the east. So apart, that's the only time they need shelter, really. Right. Um, I mean, even snow, they're quite happy under snow. Uh, <laughs> that's no problem at all. It actually keeps them keeps them. It's like a blanket of warmth for them. You know. Wow. Learned, gosh, um, that's exactly what I'm going to do. So I'm going to leave my, I'm going to be hard. Sometimes we're a little bit soft to our flowers, but maybe we need to just get a bit harder. Um, one other thing that people have asked me about sweet peas is what should you do if your sweet peas grow tall, but they don't flower? What's happening there? Um, there, there can be a number of, of reasons for this. Um the the most common one is if they're if 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 they're in too shady a position. 
they 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 want to be in full sun really uh, if they're not getting you a bit light then then they'll grow quite happily but but they they're just not not encouraged to flower um the 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 other uh quite common reason for that is if people have given too much nitrogen to the plants um you, you know we're often encouraged to to um put plenty of uh uh well rotted manure or garden compost into the into the ground and to work that in and 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 to mulch them and 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 you can actually overdo this if you if you're not careful you know if you give them too much so um i i mean we haven't said anything about feeding and such like but but um but 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 uh a, a foliar feed with sulfate of potash or 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 else um treating the ground you know before planting out with with sulfate of potash so they've got plenty of potassium there will 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 encourage flowering okay and is that the only feeding you need to do for sweet peas well um they are a legume so they fix their own nitrogen so if you've got reasonably good soil, you 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 shouldn't need to give them nitrogen for growth. Uh, yeah. The potassium does um, help. I would say is 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 essential. Um, and then it depends on your um, your soil. I, I um, give mine a foliar feed once a fortnight with um, uh, micronutrients. You know the trace elements that that that. Yeah that are, are are missing from the soil uh at present um the other thing i i've really i never used to feed them at all uh up until a couple of years ago but i've really been uh won over to weekly foliar feeding now uh and i do that with something called um uh S sp plant invigorator <laughs> uh, i'm bought over to that as well yeah and <laughs> and uh you know, I was encouraged by a commercial grower to start using it um, two two years ago, and um, you know, it's absolutely wonderful. I've no idea what's in it, but the plants grow better, and more importantly, it, it it's a biostimulant. It so it helps with their natural resistance to to pests and diseases. And the other thing, I uh, you, you know, I I have to confess, I'm not an organic grower. Um, and uh you, you know results are all important to me and and so the other thing i do once a fortnight is is treat with a a product that basically it's a blue liquid it looks like um copper sulfate uh it's very high in copper and sulfur um and 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 that's wonderful for i, I just i just don't see powdery mildew right. now as a result of uh, protective spraying with them um, I think it's mainly the sulfur that does it. Mm. Now, lots of people were talking about SP Invigorator. Two years ago, I'd never heard of it. And now everybody I talk to hears about it. So I'm I'm a bit of a convert. So it's on my list for sure to give it a go. SP Invigorator. Yeah. Yeah, I think everyone should be using it. <laughs> <laughs> so I hear you're the president of the National Sweet Pea Society as well. Because how do you fit all this in? So tell us a bit about the National Sweet Pea Society. Yeah, well, the National Sweet Peace Society has been around since 1900. It's uh, it has changed, if you like, over the decades and such like, and and certainly throughout my life, 
most interest uh, has been in um, exhibiting sweet peas, uh, you know, at local flower shows and national shows and such like. Um, but there's much more to it than that. We've certainly, uh, at our shows, uh, moved away from the traditional sort of rows of vases with uh, blooms standing upright in them, you know, standing <laughs> yeah. to attention, as it were, waiting to be judged, um, to much more decorative stuff. So, um, you, you, you know, I, I'm one of many people that that um, uh, are far far more interested in in what you can create in terms of uh, bowls and baskets and other other attractive works associating with other flowers, with other types of foliage. And in recent years, we've we've introduced some more purely um, floral art classes into the show. I, I, I say we've introduced them. They used to have them decades ago and, and they fell right. out of favour and, you know. So... Um, yeah, so so we're just all about uh, encouraging people to to um, uh, enjoy sweet peas as much as we do, and 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 to learn how how to um, how to do the best they can can with with them. Uh, membership is um, is very reasonable. We do some excellent publications, and uh, yeah, if people are serious about growing sweet peas, I would I would encourage you to do that. Um, and in fact, I, I I would go further than that. I say we 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 need to encourage more cut flower growers to be involved with it to <laughs> to um, to stand up for you know uh, the decorative um, side of it rather than um, if you like the the pure flowers you know. So, yeah, yeah, I shall go over and join you, Roger. So bless you. Thank you very much for joining us today. Where can people find you? I mean, I know I've obviously looked at your new website. Um, and you've got a YouTube channel, which I've also watched. Where else can people find you? Yeah, well, um, uh, uh, we're very responsive to uh, sort of uh, we're on Instagram and Facebook and all the other social uh, media things. Uh, but, um, uh, uh, yeah, the website, uh, sadly, we're not open to the public. You know, we, we do sometimes have open days, but um, we're not, not normally open to the public. Uh, so, yeah, the website rpsweetpeas.com is 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 a good first uh, port of call, and and you know you can follow links and such like from there. Then I I will put all your uh, social media channels and your website in the show notes so people can find you, so they can come over and have a look. And your YouTube channel is a wealth of information. And also, I would definitely recommend your book. I should sure, like I say buy another one because the other one I can't turn the pages of. Um, it's always a reference source. It's always like, oh, okay. And I think you can continually keep learning. I think every day is a school day, honestly. Even if you've been growing like we have, sweet peas for 12 years, you still, I still learn. I've just learned now what I'm going to do with my sweet peas today. So thank you very much for joining us, Roger. Um, our next episode next Friday, I'll be talking all about what it takes to be a flower farmer. My top 10 tips. Don't miss it subscribe and, and we'd be really grateful for a review and i'll see you next friday i look forward to next week's episode please don't forget to subscribe and rate and review on your podcast app we do have some wonderful free resources on our website at the cutflowercollective.co.uk we also have two free facebook communities 
which we'd love you to join. For farmers or those who want to be flower farmers, we have Cut Flower Farming, Growth and Profit in Your Business. And our other free Facebook group is Learn with the Cut Flower Collective for those starting out on their flower journey. All of the links are below. I look forward to getting to know you all.